Hey, I'm Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. And today we're going to look at some encouraging truths for mentors. Now, maybe you're not a mentor. Maybe you're just a young woman seeking to lead by example and be a positive influence on younger girls in your life, younger siblings or friends. Or maybe you are in a mentoring type of situation or you're a leader over other young women in your life. You lead a small group. And so we just finished up our Mentoring Young Women online summit where I shared about five hours of teaching of all the truths that I've learned over the past 20 plus years in working with today's young women. And if you weren't able to tune into the summit, I wanted to just share a few things with you today. So really any type of situation that you're in seeking to influence somebody else towards truth, hopefully these truths that I want to share with you today will encourage you and equip you to do that even more effectively. One of the main questions that I think people ask, whether you're leading a small group or you're counseling young women or you are you find yourself in a, a situation where people are coming to you for advice or input, is the struggle, how do I learn how to communicate truth more effectively? It's really easy to feel like, you know, I'm not really qualified to mentor anyone. I'm not really qualified to lead a small group or I'm not qualified to give biblical input into anyone's life because I'm not a great communicator. Well, to encourage you, communication was never my strong point either. And when God first called me to start writing and speaking and working with young women, it was a real struggle for me because I thought, you know, God, why have you called me to something that requires me to be an effective communicator? And I don't feel like I'm naturally gifted in that area. There were a lot of times when I would get up on stage or be sitting across the table from a girl and just really completely lose my train of thought and feel that I was tongue-tied, wouldn't be able to think of the right verse to share with her, and I'd walk away feeling like that was really inadequate, that really wasn't effective. And of course, I'm married to someone who always has brilliant things to say, profound things to say, and he's always confident on stage. And so that made it even worse for me because I would compare myself to him and think I'm not even close. But one of the things I learned in that season of my life is that God so often uses the weak things of the world to shame the wise. He often uses his least impressive vessels to communicate his most important messages If you look through the Bible, you'll see all sorts of examples of this, from David, who was just sort of a lowly shepherd boy, being elevated to that position of leading the entire nation, and Moses, who was not articulate and didn't feel like he could even stand before Pharaoh, becoming the one who led all of the nation of Israel out of captivity, and you know, the, the list just goes on and on. And even if you look throughout Christian history, there are so many examples of ministry leaders and missionaries who really were not impressive by human standards. D.L. Moody is one that you often hear wasn't uh, very well spoken, and yet he was one of the most powerful evangelists in Christian history. Another man that I've heard of is R.A. Torrey, and he led revival meetings in England and in America, but oftentimes his revival meetings would consist of just either himself or someone else standing up on a stage and speaking the gospel really just in a monotone. And people said, you know, this person's a very boring speaker, whoever's leading this revival meeting. And yet people would come by the droves and they would be so riveted to what was being said. And it wasn't because the delivery was impressive. It was because the power of God was there. It was because the truth of Jesus Christ was there and their hearts were hungry for it. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. And that is really what it takes to reach someone's heart is to lift high the name of Jesus, even if you aren't impressive by human standards. And I've shared this story before, but when Eric and I first started traveling and speaking to young people, 
the youth ministries we worked with around the country often wanted to add a lot of bells and whistles to our message, you know, add a rock concert in the middle of one of our seminars or add laser light shows or add comedians, do something that would sort of jazz it up and make it more interesting. But we found that when we sort of just stripped away those bells and whistles and we just spoke from the heart, even if it wasn't extremely entertaining or amazing in how we delivered it, the young people's hearts were so hungry for uncompromising truth that they wholeheartedly responded. And we had so many youth leaders say, you know, we've never seen these young people sit for longer than 15 minutes. And here they were sitting and listening to you for two hours. What's the difference? You know, why? And it certainly was was not because we were extremely impressive in how we delivered our message. It was because we were just giving them the undiluted truth of Jesus Christ. And really, that's what it takes to communicate effectively. So don't be discouraged if you don't feel that you are a great communicator of truth. God will equip you for what he has called you to, and your only job is to lift high the name of Jesus in any way that you can and to offer him your fishes and loaves and say, Lord, this is what I can offer you. It's not much, but I just ask that you would take it and multiply it for your glory. And so many times I've seen him do that in my ministry to young women. One of the most effective ways to communicate truth with a young woman or with anyone in your life is to blend truth with humility. If you tuned into the summit, you might remember me talking about this. There are really two extremes that you often see today in the church with communicating truth. One is this extreme humility, which is really a false humility, but it sort of says, I'm broken, you're broken, we're all a mess, let's all just be a mess together. And it really applauds itself for being so real and open and honest, but it really doesn't lead anybody anywhere. It's just sort of sitting around celebrating brokenness. And that's not true humility because the message of the gospel does bring hope and it does bring victory. And that's the message we need to be proclaiming. It's not wrong to talk about our struggles and our failures and our sin, but we also need to give the hope and the victory that is in Jesus Christ. The other extreme that you might see in the church today is preaching and lecturing, where someone comes in with kind of a self-righteous attitude, a lot of spiritual pride, and looks down on those who are struggling. And that, again, is very ineffective because when it's delivered with pride and arrogance, it's really not being delivered in the nature of Jesus Christ. If you can blend powerful truth with humility, it will reach another person's heart. And one of the things that I have found very helpful in my own ministry is to humbly share my own story. People used to ask me when I was single, you know, young women would come to me and they would see the way I was living, some of the decisions that I had made, and they would say, you know, why aren't you dating around? Why aren't you just doing the typical thing and going from one relationship to the next? And I had two different ways that I could answer that question. The first time I answered that question, I was very preachy. I kind of went on a soapbox about how casual, shallow dating relationships were wrong and dangerous and all the things I saw that were bad about them. And I really did not make an impact on that person's life. And the next time somebody asked me that question, I just humbly shared the path that God had led me down and how he had convicted me of that short-term temporary relationship mentality that I had bought into and the destruction that it had caused in my own life and my own heart and how he convicted me and showed me a better way to live. And when I humbly shared my own journey, it really, really made an impact. 
So look for ways that you can share your own story and blend powerful truth with humility. Paul is a great example of this, the Apostle Paul, because in one place he says, not that I have already attained or already been made perfect, but I press on. So he's acknowledging that he's not there yet. He's not perfect, but he's pressing towards something. He's not just sitting there saying, well, I'm just broken like you and we're all a mess together. And then he also says, follow me as I follow Christ. So he's actually leading his followers towards victory. He's not just talking about his struggles and leaving it there. So that's a great example of blending truth with humility. It's great to gather your thoughts ahead of time. If you're going into a situation where you're going to be speaking or counseling and you're afraid you're going to lose your train of thought and not clearly communicate truth, then write down your thoughts ahead of time. Make a bullet point list of everything you want to say and bring that along with you. It will show the person that you are ministering to that you really care about them and that you don't want to leave anything important out. So don't be afraid to do that. When you're leading a Bible study or if you're in a mentoring kind of situation, I want to encourage you to avoid being dependent on other people's words. So often when we're leading a group, we feel this need to have a study guide, to have a leader's guide, to have, you know, a Bible study or a book that we can walk people through. And sometimes that can be good and those can be great resources at times, but often we feel so dependent on other people's words, other people's articulation of truth. And what if you were in a persecuted country and you could not rely on the latest Bible study in the Christian world or the latest book that was popular for Christian women? What if you didn't have those resources and you just had the Word of God? And in some cases, you may only have part of the Word of God or or the Word of God as it's hidden in your heart if you're in a situation where a Bible is even illegal. So think about that. How do you communicate truth and talk about scripture in your own words. And it's so important to learn how to articulate how different scriptures have powerfully impacted your life, how they have changed your life, and share that with other people. And learn how to do that without always having to have other people's commentary to lean on. It's also really crucial if you're working with young women that they learn how to study the Bible on their own. They need to learn how to dig into the Word of God and learn inductive Bible study, which means breaking each word of a scripture down into its actual meaning and looking at the context of that and really going deeper into what every scripture means. And there's some great resources online like blueletterbible.org and some others where you can just use the tools that are available to learn how to study the Bible in depth and how to teach those you are mentoring how to study the Bible in depth, because really, we all need to learn how to stand on our own two feet when it comes to engaging with the Word of God. Again, it's not wrong to use other people's material in Bible studies, but don't become so dependent on that that you feel like you can't communicate unless you're using somebody else's words. A great way to prepare yourself for ministry in season and out of season is to immerse yourself in truth. And one of the ways I love to do this is by listening to audio scripture. Not always other people's sermons. They can be good, and there's a lot of popular ones out there these days. There's a lot of audio um tidbits that are out there in the Christian world, but but what about scripture? So many of us are really deprived when it comes to our understanding, our knowledge of scripture. And so whenever possible, turn to the word of God when you're driving, when you're doing anything where you can have something on in the background. One of my favorites is the word of promise, but there are many others. And I find that when I'm in a ministry situation of if I've been immersing myself in truth, then I am so much more prepared when someone asks me a question or I encounter a 
challenging situation because the word of God has been hidden in my heart ahead of time. And another great thing to do is to listen to the classic Christian biographies. There's so many audiobooks available of some of those classic books like Tramp for the Lord and The Hiding Place and Brother Andrew's story and Hudson Taylor's story. There's so many amazing biographies that can be great for giving you real life examples of how truth can apply to our lives as Christians. So those are just some practical suggestions if you are in any kind of ministry situation. Another struggle that a lot of mentors deal with is wondering how to confront sin in another person's life. Now, we've done another podcast on confronting sin, but in case you weren't able to hear that all, just touch on it here. In the first place, it's so important to understand whether or not you're really in a position to confront sin in someone's life. A lot of times God will show us something in someone's life so that we can pray for that person, but not necessarily so that we can confront them. If you have not been given a place of spiritual authority, if you have not been invited in into a place of accountability in that person's life, it may not be appropriate for you to confront sin. Now, if it is a family member or someone that you do have a a position to speak into their life, then that's great. And I'll give you some pointers for that in a minute. But if you're not in a place to really confront them directly, then don't underestimate the power of prayer. Oswald Chambers said, God never gives us discernment that we may criticize, but that we may intercede. It's so powerful to realize that we can reach somebody else's heart through the power of prayer because we really can't change anyone anyway. It's only God's spirit that does that work. And his spirit can convict through prayer and work through others who are in authority in their lives to challenge them. And I've seen God do incredible miracles simply through the power of prayer, even though the sin was never actually confronted. And if you do have a place to confront sin in someone's life, then I would encourage you to set the stage with prayer ahead of time. When you pray diligently for someone, even before you ever sit down with them, it can so often soften that person's heart and open their ears to hear the truth that you're going to speak to them. It also gives you a real heart for that person and helps you speak the truth in love. It's so important to communicate in the nature of Christ. If you're confronting sin and you do it in a prideful, arrogant, self-righteous way, it's only going to drive them further away from the truth. If you are humble, if you are appealing to them in love, it can open their heart and show them that you care so much about them that you don't want to see them go in this direction. One of the things you can do if you're really concerned about something in someone's life is ask intentional questions like, how do you feel that this area of your life is affecting your relationship with God right now? And is this area of your life in a healthy place? If you ask questions like that in a gentle, loving way, a lot of times you'll find out that she was already convicted over her sin and she just wanted to talk with someone about it and have truth spoken into that area of her life. So think about purposeful, intentional questions that you can ask that might open the door to talk about some of the wrong decisions that she might be making. Another thing you might run into if you're in any kind of mentoring or leadership position is discouragement. And I will say that discouragement is something I've struggled with for over 20 years in my ministry. A lot of times people will say, oh, you know, it must be so exciting to get up on stage and speak to thousands of people and write these books and and do all the things that you do. But really, it's a spiritual battle from start to finish. And it's, it's very rewarding and, and I love doing, but it really is a spiritual battle. And one of the primary 
primary weapons that the enemy has often used against me, and I know for so many other mentors this is true, is discouragement. And sometimes the more powerful of an impact that you're making, the more you're going to be dealing with discouragement. That took me a long time to realize because I would talk to someone or I would speak somewhere and I would be hit with such major discouragement thinking that I had just done a terrible job and really want to give up, not want to continue. And then I would find out later that whatever I had said had really just changed someone's life. So again, God uses the weak things to accomplish powerful things. Oftentimes when we feel the weakest, his strength can be made perfect. It was really the enemy who didn't want me to continue and he wanted me to give up. And that's why he was hitting me so hard with discouragement. And he still continues to do that. But now I've learned how to recognize it and not really give time or attention to that discouragement that's coming. Really, discouragement never comes from God. If he wants to gently refine your delivery or how you're communicating truth, he does that in a loving way and not through discouragement and despair. So all you can do is give those loaves and fishes to God, leave the rest in his hands. Don't overanalyze what you said or what you didn't say, because that will just turn you inward. It's not your job to change anyone's life. You're just a tool in his hands and leave the rest to him. There is such a common trend in women's ministry today. It's almost this desperation to give women what they want, what they're looking for. And there's all these surveys, you know, what do you want to hear more of? What do you want to see more of? And if I've done guest blogging at different times, and I've noticed that even if one person makes a negative comment about somebody's blog post, it's like this big panic and they take the blog post down and they're so afraid of offending anyone. And really, that's a dangerous road to go down. It's not bad to to find out where women are at and what they're struggling with. But when we are so desperate to please people that we it affects what we say and how we say it, then oftentimes we're really living for the applause of men instead of really speaking what God has put on our heart to speak. And one of the things I've learned over the past 20 years is to speak the message that God has put on my heart to speak and leave the rest up to him and expect the fact that people won't always love what you have to say if you're speaking uncompromising truth. But if you know you're being obedient to God, if you know you're delivering your message in the nature and the love of Christ, just leave the rest up to him and don't be too ruffled by people's negative comments or the voice of discouragement. Do your best, place it in God's hands, and don't listen to the voice of discouragement because it doesn't come from him. Now, another question you might wonder about if you're working with younger women is how do I teach them the principles of prayer and Bible study? And this is so important because a lot of girls don't really have the first clue about how to pray or study their Bible. And there are some great books on prayer. Some of the classic works by Ian Bounds would be wonderful to start with. There's also some biographies about John Praying Hyde and Reese Howells that I love on prayer. And then we've written a book called Wrestling Prayer that's a great one to start with just sort of a Um, maybe a little easier to read than some of those classics, but it would be great to go through some of those books with the young women that you are mentoring and show them what real prayer looks like. Give them those examples of great men who have been prayer warriors and read all those amazing scriptural principles about what true prayer really is. And then pray together with the young women that you're mentoring. Model what prayer looks like to them. If they never actually pray or if they never see anyone pray, they'll really never learn what true prayer is. 
As far as Bible study, again, it's so important for young women to learn how to study the Bible on their own. And inductive Bible study is so important, even if it's just very simple inductive Bible study. So looking on some of those Bible websites where they have the tools where you can look at the original Hebrew and the original Greek and look at the context and look at other places that word is used in scripture, it can really give you an incredible depth and insight into that specific verse. And you begin to get a a clearer picture of what God God is trying to communicate through that verse. So if there are ways that you can teach simple inductive Bible study skills, you don't have to even go online. You can look at some of the commentaries and other um, concordances and other resources that are out there for studying the Bible. But again, teach them how to explore God's word and stand on their own two feet and not always gain their spiritual depth from somebody else's book or somebody else's devotional. Scripture needs to be their first turn. And we've talked about that in other podcasts, but if scripture is not our first turn, I mean, the words of men are, can be good if they, if they honor the word of God, but they should only be an accent to that true foundation of our life, which is the word of God. Another great thing to do is to encourage scripture memory. And when we hide the word of God in our heart. It protects us from sin. It protects us from veering down the wrong path. So be purposeful about scripture memory with those you're mentoring. Choose scriptures each week to memorize with them, whether it's larger portions and you just tackle a little bit at a time or small, powerful scriptures and go over them together often because that is an incredible way to hide the word of God in your heart and in their heart. And finally, one of the things you may be struggling with as a mentor or as someone seeking to make a difference in someone's life is how do I counsel or minister to young women or to anyone really who doesn't seem to respond or change? This is something I think a lot of people struggle with, especially if it's maybe someone you're close to or someone in your own family, because you see all their weaknesses, you see their stubbornness, you see, you know, the weaknesses in their life and the the habits that they're in, and you think they're never going to change. And it's so tempting to just give up. And that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. Be diligent, be consistent, keep investing truth into their lives. Keep praying diligently until you see the breakthrough come. I've shared many times the story of Eric's sister, Chrissy, who prayed for him for years and years that he would radically give his life to Christ. And he was really just living a mediocre Christianity. And I'm sure she was tempted to give up. And I'm sure she was discouraged at times to not see much change in his life. But after years of faithfully investing into his life and praying for him, God awakened his heart. And in college, he read a book that changed his life. And the first thing that he did was call his sister. And she just cried on the phone because she was so happy to see that all of those years of diligently praying for him finally paid off. God finally answered her prayer. So don't give up. Don't let the enemy deter you from just faithfully, diligently praying and standing in faith. Remember, it's not your job as a mentor or as an example to anyone to change them, but just to sow the seeds of truth in their lives and let God water those seeds. Let God bring the increase. There's a really amazing story that I heard about a missionary couple who went to Africa. This is quite a number of years ago. And it was such a difficult place that they were trying to reach. The area was very hostile to the gospel and nobody really wanted them even there. And they couldn't even go into the village. They had to live on the outskirts of the village because the people wouldn't even welcome them into the village. And for years, they just labored the best they could trying to make an impact on these people who were so hardened. And 
there was one young boy from the village who came and was kind of like a houseboy to the missionaries. And the wife just started investing into him and teaching him and discipling him and sharing the gospel with him. But before they could really see any fruit of their ministry, all of the missionaries had either died or um, just gotten too sick to stay there. And they all left. And the husband of the wife who had witnessed to the young boy was so discouraged because his wife had died in this missionary venture and they didn't see any fruit to their ministry that he kind of turned away from the faith for a while. But then he found out years later through just an incredible series of events that that one young boy, that little African boy who was the houseboy, took the words that his wife shared to heart and began to give his life to Christ and then began to evangelize the entire village. And a really powerful church started in that area. And the gospel spread throughout that whole region because of the seeds that were planted when those missionaries first came. And that was such an incredible story because they really believed, some of them died believing they hadn't made an impact. And this one man you know, kind of fell away from God because he was so discouraged, but God actually watered that seed that was planted. And so don't give up even when you really don't see any fruit because God will not uh, waste your time. He will not waste the effort, the prayer, and how you're standing for these people in your life that you care about. God will bring fruit out of it if you don't give up. Another thing to consider if you're really not seeing change or responsiveness in those you're ministering to is that the enemy might be really at work trying to block the ears of those who are listening. So don't forget to take a stand against the forces of darkness who might be putting a hindrance or a stumbling block in the way of your ministry. And we've talked about that in other podcasts, but it can be incredible to listen to the stories of of ministry leaders and missionaries once they finally took an active stand against Satan and his influence and his hindrance, that's when the doors open and people could actually hear the message. So I hope these truths today have encouraged you. And I just want to reiterate that God can use you exactly where you're at. You don't have to have special qualifications. You don't have to go and start a big, impressive ministry. Just ask him to show you who to invest in today, who to pray for today, and he will bring amazing fruit from your life. If you would like to know more about how to live a Christ-centered life and how to have a life that bears fruit for the kingdom of God, consider joining us for our upcoming Set Apart Conference. You can either join us in Colorado or anywhere you are via simulcast. It's coming up in June of 2019. You can go to setapartgirl.com to learn more. I hope to see you there. Have a blessed and Christ-centered week.